Okay. I think I got you. Look at this. A legend is popping up here. This is fun. You have a good sense. I hope, Mr. Coley, I hope you have a good sense of humor with me. Are you kidding, man? I got the best sense of humor in anybody in the world. I am the least offendable person in the world. I am stepping. You're beautiful. You're an artist on record. Your ultimate intimate conversation with your favorite artist. Who do we have in the hot seat tonight? The legendary John Ford Coley. He's in the hot seat. Man's a legend. Great rock and roll stories. We didn't get to know him. He's going to get to know you. It's all going to start right now. Don't touch that dial. what you're john ford coley you got a lot of friends i'll tell you why the music that you've given us songs like i really love to see you tonight I'm not talking about moving in, and I don't... we'll never have to say goodbye again we'll never have to say goodbye. love is the answer nights are forever without you i could go on these are songs that brought relationships together. You eat, and when people broke up with each other, they still listened to those songs and you brought people back together. So if you're not the most friendliest guy in America, making people unite again from the love music that you brought to yeah. us, now come on. Now, let me tell you what I tell people from the stage after I play Sad to Belong. <laughs> I noticed that people after the shows, when they're out meeting everyone, some a little bit agitated. I couldn't quite figure it out. You know, I would see this quite a bit. And one night there was this lady talking to me and she's going on and on and on about her old boyfriend when she was, you know, this song, did it, did it. I'm seeing her husband go, <laughs> and I thought, she's okay. I get it. I get it. And I tell them, look, the chances are pretty good. The person you came with tonight might not be the person you're thinking about, and they might not be thinking about you during this. It's okay. It's 50 years ago. Get over it. You know, it's like, come on, <laughs> just let it go. It's, it was your boyfriend. Fine. Good. Cool. So <laughs> people are, fun. they still get hostile about that sort of thing. It's they like, take the song serious. They take it seriously. Yeah. I, so, have you ever met somebody like that went up to you and it goes, but you don't understand nights are forever. You don't understand what it is. I, I wrote a book and it tells a story about this one lady who came up to me. Literally. It went just like this. She grabbed me by the hand, had one of the old LPs. She was very uh, corporate looking, lawyerly looking, you know, mm -hmm. and she very close to me in her sweet voice. She said, I want you to know. My fiance and I fell in love to your song, Nights Are Forever Without You. We danced to the song. We loved to the song. We did everything to that song, you know, and not being remotely interested in what that lady's everything included. I just said, well, thank you very much. That lady got about that far from my nose and a voice I didn't recognize. She said, and then that blankety blank so-and-so left me and I've hated your song ever since. And it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, it's like I felt like I'm I'm talking to Satan. It's like he morphed him big in my face. And I wrote I wrote that story in the book. It opens the book. That's actually what got me to write the book. You met the Saskawana hat company, hat lady from Abbott and Costello. Those hats. <laughs> Slowly I turned Niagara Falls step by step. 
You'd be surprised at things that happen out on the road. Sometimes it's comical. Sometimes you just go, okay. <laughs> All right. Don't take it so hardly. I'm a musician. It's my job. I, I, right. People, but again, earlier, they take this thing very, very seriously. And I understand that. And it's great. And I love it. But it's like sometimes it gets a little bit uh, weird. I mean, we're all fans of some. Who are you a big fan of? Like somebody who was growing up as a kid. Who did you like? I love Buffalo Springfield. Um, uh, there was a lot of group. Uh, I'll tell you a story, okay? Because again, I'm, I'm a Texas boy, so I tell stories all the time. I love we it. We were the first record. And uh, there, we had an engineer by the name of Henry Louie. And Henry's German. He's into meditation. He's all these things. So he would take time off during the sessions. He'd go meditate. We'd go someplace else. He comes back in. It's just, I'm in the studio. So he just starts talking to me and he says, John, who do you like? Who, who do you really like musically? And I said, Henry, man, I don't like mainstream stuff. I, I, I mainly fall in the line of people that are a little bit different. I said, as a matter of fact, there's this one girl just knocks me out. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, Joni Mitchell. You heard of her? And he looked at me and he said, John, are you serious? And I said, no, have you heard of her? And he goes, John, I'm her producer. She's recording over in Studio C on Saturday. You want to come over and see her? So I went over and watched Joni Mitchell record two songs on the Blue Album. I just missed James Taylor about that 10, 15 minutes. He had played on that. And it was like, yeah, so I listened to the, to the people that I thought were weird, people that actually had musical talent, like a Dan Fogelberg or, you know, Moby Grape, things like that. People didn't really know who a lot of those people were, but those were the ones because they were, they were musical. And I love the music. When you met Dan, England Dan, and I know the story, it's a funny story. And I heard you say, but I want you to share it with my viewers because he had a, a fake accent. And so I got to know about this whole story, meeting him and all that. Can you take take us back? Well, a I can't, there was a, uh, Dan was in an established band called Playboys Five and they had a guitar player that quit. Dan wanted another guitar player. Everybody else wanted a keyboard player. So I auditioned, I get the gig. And Dan and I, we just did not get along at all. Uh, I'm trying everything in the world not to tick him off because he's a lead singer and saxophone player. And so we ended up driving to gigs together. So we'd sing Everly Brothers and Righteous Brothers. And he always grabbed the lead. I always took the harmony because that was what I excelled at. And uh, we just kind of established a sound, just kind of watched that thing grow over the years. He used to walk around because the Beatles and, and it were Stones and all those guys were really big back during the time we were, we were doing this. So he's trying to fake the English accent. You know, no, don't don't call me Dan. Call me Don. <laughs> it's like, OK, here we go. So in that name, actually, Jimmy Seals, his brother from Seals and Crofts is the one who came up with our name because we were called Collie Whalen at the time when we started playing by ourselves. And uh, so no one could get Collie. They've never been able to pronounce my last name. So Jimmy said, let's drop an L from that, put Ford in because for him, it was John Ford, the big director. 
For me, it was John Ripford, the Confederate general that won the last battle of, of what's, what we call the War for Southern Independence down in Texas. He also was one that picked up a bunch of the guys from the Alamo and helped bury them. Wow. So um, that was the name for me. And it just kind of stuck, you know, with England, Dan and John Ford Coley, because you're always looking for a name. You've got the opportunity to take your last names like Loggins and Messina okay. or, you know, Seals and Cross, Hall and Oates or the Carpenters, you get a name. But the best thing in the world that ever happened to me was I got to use my name in the group name. So when I, when somebody asked me who I am and I go, well, John Coley, they kind of, you can see their eyes kind of flicker and they go, in England Dan and John Ford Coley? I go, yeah. I mean, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. So complete accident. It wasn't something that was done by design. It was just an entire accident. You guys didn't get along, right? It's so crazy. Right. It's so crazy. Well, just later on, we got to be closer than brothers. I mean, literally, we could read one another's minds from great distances away. There was one time I was at school and Dan just arbitrarily, we didn't have phones like we do now. You know, 67, 68. And so He's coming up. He's got an idea for a song that's 40 miles away to Denton, Texas from Dallas. And I'm sitting there going, Dan's coming. Dan's, Dan's coming. And bingo, he's at the door. And I went, so we really could read one another's minds pretty well. We, we got to be closer than brothers. That's we, wild. That's a brotherly thing. And all from yeah. the music. So the bond happened when you guys were doing those drives, Everly Brothers, just singing. That's when yeah. it started connecting. Music. Yeah. You know, we had a lot of shared interest. Dan was a very wise man. He was very sage-like. And so uh, he was very funny. And what was great about it was that Dan would make all these outlandish, crazy remarks. But when he would step on stage, it was like somebody put a piece of tape over his mouth or a big chastity belt on his head and couldn't move. You know, he just wouldn't say anything. Well, I'm saying all of these things. So I learned, you know, I, I used to wear a shoe around my neck talking about, you know, putting a shoe in my mouth sort of a deal. And uh, I just <laughs> learned talk. Because I was kind of quiet about those things. You know, I would tell jokes to people and stuff, but I never got outlandish. And then it just grew and grew and grew. Simon, why do you cry? Did you open for Zeppelin? Correct me if I'm wrong. Did yeah, you we did. Uh, in Dallas, uh, the group that we roomed calls the Southwest FOB. And at that particular time, we had actually kind of morphed into the 70s, I mean, the, the late 60s kind of fusion jazz sort of stuff. I played organ and piano and Dan played saxophone. And so we opened for those guys down in Houston and in Dallas. And now what was funny about it was several years later, I'm, I'm in a film called Scenes from the Gold Mine. So Timothy B. Schmidt's the bass player. I'm the, I'm the drummer in the band, you know. And we're talking with all these people and who, who they played with. And I said, well, you know, we played with Led Zeppelin, and they're going, oh, no, you didn't. Come on. No, no, you didn't. So I went, all right. I went home. I pulled up the articles that had my name in it because it said Southwest FOB flies over Led Zeppelin. We, we were hot that night. We, we did a great job. Got my name on it, and I just walked in and I said, guys, see this? I don't have to lie about this shit, okay? There. And <laughs> that was it. I saw on your Facebook, you posted about England, Dan, about 
it, just recently he passed it's was it 14 years that that he's, he's gone and you did a nice post regarding the him you, you wrote and i put it up here it's difficult to believe it's been 14 years since dan passed away i'm sure he still had a lot of music in him that we will never get to hear and i think about all the pie he is missing here but i'm kind of under the impression it's probably better where he's at rest in peace dan and it was a beautiful post yeah i miss dan dan was a good guy you know we again we spent all those years together uh traveled the world together i raised his kids he raised mine i went through his marriages he went through mine you went through uh, a lot you know so it, we, we had all those tour years together and you get to see the world and at a certain point it just becomes time to call it yeah we kind of kept up we were both in the same religion at that time and then i got out and that kind of caused a little bit of a rift but it's life life but when you guys when the band split up you just went your own ways and but did you try did you keep you know in contact with each other in that time or was it no not, not so much during that time uh i think there was you know problems that happened the thing that happened to probably so many groups is the same thing that happened to us you end up with a lot of people you've got a unified front and then you've got people that worm their way in. They start telling you different things. You telling this one different things. It ends up causing a rift. It ends up causing problems. And before you know it, bingo, it's, it's, it's kind of done. Yeah. The outsiders get in and they just yeah. pollute it all. As a matter of fact, I laugh and I joke a lot when I, when I do some of the classes. And I tell people, if you're in a group, here's how it works. Especially if you're in a group. Keep your wives and your girlfriends, your husbands and your wife out of your business, okay? It causes problems. Rule number two, keep your stupid wives and stupid girlfriends and stupid husbands and stupid boyfriends out of your business. Rule number three, keep your ignorant, well-meaning, but dangerous wives, husbands, girlfriends, boyfriends out of your business because the girls get in a fight. Uh-oh. Now you've got to defend your girlfriend and now the band's fighting you go, man, no, just stay away. And I'd really love to see you. Ooh, I'd love to see you tonight. That was Mr. John Ford Coley. And if you want to see more of this episode, unedited, uncut, join our all-access VIP backstage pass and Patreon. But until then, something cool is going to pop up. Make sure you click on it. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Let me know I'm doing a good job. Put your comments down below. Until then, remember, it's only rock and roll, and we like it. And who loves you, baby? We do.